we got Fami Malik right. covering this up. Uh-huh. The police covering this up. Mm-hmm. Yep. The lawyer covering it up. The lawyer and the mom. I did not have Bill sex Clinton. with that woman. Bill. Welcome, guys, to this episode of Talk Murder to Me. We're, We're very excited to be back on the mics after a short hiatus of a couple of days. That's right. And we are drinking like the brightest blue drinks ever. You know what this reminds me of? It looks exactly like blue jello does before it solidifies. It looks good, but it does not necessarily taste that good. Um, I'm this is not one of my favorite cocktails, I will say. No, it's um it's very heavy on the blue. gin. It's gin, blue curacao, triple sec, and lemon juice. I like the gin, I don't like the blue curacao. I don't like the orangey. Because triple That's sec triple is citrus sec. too. Yeah. But so is blue curacao. They're both orangey, even though it's blue. Oh, that's confusing. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that blue Gatorade. Not Powerade. Yeah, that's Gatorade. what it looks like. Blue Gatorade. No, it but does. it looks like blue Jello. That's what I was thinking. And I would have to venture to say that blue Jello is the best tasting Jello out there. Anyone else can fight me. I don't think anyone's going to fight you on that, John. I think that's that's pretty well based in fact. Yeah. Assessment. Although that Sonic Cherry Limeade one we had at the Super Bowl party was really good too. Oh yeah. I'm going to make those at my graduation party. That's good. Do you have anything that we can burn at your graduation party? Like, do you have, like, books that you want to get rid of? No. I want to keep all my books. It's not that kind of graduation party. No, I'm proud of myself. I'm not like, yeah, this is over. I'm like, I'm proud of myself. I burned my high school uniform at my high school graduation party. A lot of people did that. It was great. The drink was called Blue Train because the hint is train. The hint was choo-choo. Forgot to mention that. Sorry. The hint was choo-choo. Choo-choo-choo. Surprise shots, surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Oh, okay. Wow, that was aggressive. That's um, that's uh, not bad. I kind of liked it. I did not. I don't know why I picked that. That I was feel stupid. Like you just broke that shot glass. <laughs> no, I no, hit the I, top. Is that is that Hennessy? How did you know? I don't know. I, I don't know. We I don't think we've ever done a shot of that. That's only been like an accompaniment mm. to us. Um, I like that. Cocktail. I can see why they put that in the Coke. I didn't know that like was a thing. Coca-Cola, not cocaine. <laughs> I'm sure people mix Henny and cocaine as well. Guys, I got plenty of emails from you guys checking in on me because I'm doing my PTSD therapy. So That's I really yeah. appreciate it. Shannon, you sent me a really cool email. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And Chevette or Shannon? Shannon. Oh, right. And I got a couple other emails too, some from people I've never even met and um, reached out and asked how the treatment was going. So thank you so much. That's awesome. This is my second week I'm going into now, and I got two more after that. So thanks everyone for reaching out. It means a lot. Uh, if you know a veteran that struggles with PTSD, this treatment may help them a lot. I've already noticed that I can sleep better. I, I I was wondering if you could since the schedule's been so off. Well, I noticed, not that I could sleep better per se, but I noticed I wasn't waking up like I usually do. That's good. That's That's awesome. Yeah, so. How many times a night were you waking up? Three or four. Wow. And I would take about an hour to go back to sleep. Oh, no. 
Yeah. So are you are you waking up maybe like once or twice instead of three or four? No, I haven't not? woken up since. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty awesome actually. But like um it may be because the day's so long, you know. You're so, yeah. so exhausted. So I know. Yeah. That one's kind of hard to tell what's yeah. really the driver. I do want to give myself some props because uh, I don't think we've talked to you since Easter. I'm not quite sure, but. We must have recorded. Jen was the Easter bunny this year, guys. I made them their Easter baskets this year. and I It was worked, epic. It was awesome. So, like, I went to um, I went to CVS and I got some candy and some stuff that I thought that they would like um, because I was like, when is the last time that these guys have had Easter baskets? Like, I figured, you know, at least a few years since for Nicole since she's moved away from home. So I, like, got some candy and some I, – I found these, like, squishy taco stress balls that are really cool. Pretty awesome, actually. And some, like, um, really cool seltzer – like, the Polish limited edition seltzer waters. And you guys know that we're doing, you know, a pretty – you know, sugar-free diet. So I tried not to get everything candy, but I did get some candy because it's Easter. I mean, come on. Um, and I got some grass and Easter baskets, and I was just like some grass. <laughs> the Easter grass. Thanks for that grass. Smoke weed every day. Thanks for that Afghan Kush. <laughs> but I was just really excited to make them, and I wasn't sure. Like when I got home from work that night um, on Saturday before Easter, I. It wasn't super late, but I was like, I hope that no one wakes up and goes into the kitchen and sees this before Easter. Mm-hmm. But, like, I was just so excited. I, like, ma- I, like put the Easter grass in. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be so fun. And I was so excited to give them their Easter baskets. So, yeah. Totally unexpected. I was like, oh, my God. This is amazing. So I hope that you guys liked them because I worked really hard on them. Oh, my gosh. I was so impressed. I was like, damn it. She one-upped us. Yeah. It's all right. We'll have to get you back. All right, Nicole, where are we going and who are we killing? And tell us what the hint was. The hint was train. Well, I gave you two hints. The hint was choo-choo. And how high. That you movie like with the Red a, Man. A I've never name, seen Red that Man. movie. <laughs> was Ice Cube in that movie too? Uh, no, I think it's Method Man and Red Man. Oh. Um, I'm going to go. Red Man, the rapper, not the uh, chewing tobacco. Ah. Uh. I didn't know that was a thing. Chewing tobacco? Yeah, red man. I know that chewing tobacco was it's a thing. It's got the I Indian that... on the front. Oh. Cherokee red. That's kind of racist. I didn't make the package. I, pack. I didn't design the package. I don't get it. You what, You put like tobacco on your lip? Yeah. So the tobacco has. And you suck on it? Is no, that no, it, it didn't. So you put it under your lip and it's it the is lined with like um, miniature pieces of fiberglass and it cuts your lip, which lets the tobacco in. Which likes the nicotine in, into your system. That sounds terrible. Why wouldn't you just That's smoke a cancer stick? That's why you get mouth stick? cancer from doing it. Gross. Why wouldn't you just smoke a cigarette? It's the same thing. I think we're going to Pennsylvania oh. this evening. Okay. Um, is Right? I, I don't know why I'm thinking this, but maybe it's because of um the game Monopoly. Wasn't there like the... The R and R, the railroads. Oh, Pennsylvania Railroad. Yeah. Were, Railroad. Weren't they in Pennsylvania? No, but there was yeah, four. There, there was also There was three other railroads. All right. Well, that's the first one that's coming to mind. Also, is there like a Reading, Pennsylvania, where that's a training town? I don't know, but I'm just going to say it's in Pennsylvania, and this takes place in the 1920s. Before there's flight and there is a murderer on 
the train cars. Oh, like Murder on the Orient Express? Yeah. Oh, come on. That's cool. I said this is going to be the craziest story we've done, and that's all you got? Well, I'm trying to, like, I don't understand how this hint would be relatable to anything else. I gave you two hints. I know. And you didn't even use one of them. And the guy was high. Oh, my God. (laughs) I am torn because I really thought it was one thing when I saw the Thomas. um, Thomas. What did you think it was? No, because you're not going to trick me because if I say what I thought it was, they're going to say, that's your guess. (laughs) Maybe. Um, Well, Well, it's not Thomas the train engine. It's just a train. I just didn't want to say train. That's so boring. That's why I wanted something. Hey, soul sister, I want to miss a single thing you do. I could have said also run the train. Drops a Jupiter in a head. Get a train run on them. What do you guys think of train? I don't know if I like them or not. They're good, but they're not. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about train. All right, so we are going to August 23rd, 1987. Ooh. So you guys weren't even born yet. Nope. Nope. And I was. Oh. We're going to uh, Arkansas. Oh. Hmm. We haven't gone there before. Uh, Well, Arkansas is in the Midwestern area beneath, mm, like, Illinois-ish. You're looking at the map. Yeah. I feel like a first place geography B would have just known. Well, you're right, but we're a couple drinks in now, so yeah. I've lost my place. Arkansas borders Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Missouri, and Tennessee. It's in the mid west. Also, President Bill Clinton hails from that state. He's most famously known as the governor of Arkansas. Yes. Bill. Very good. Now, um, I did not. Sunday morning, August 23rd, 1987. It's the wee hours. We're talking 2 a.m. Pitch black. The moon was literally not even in existence. New moon. New moon means there's no moon. You guys got that? New moon. There was a train, a Union Pacific locomotive coming north from Texarkana. And it was going 52 miles an hour. The reason that's important is because the mandated speed limit for a train, I didn't know this, is 55 miles an hour. Interesting. You can't you know, go over that. If they I go didn't over know that. that. Yeah, they I have, thought it could have been faster. Do they, oh. I didn't know that like trains could, had like speeding. Yeah, that's the speed limit for a train. Interesting. Well, that was in the, maybe you, it's changed, but. Are you going to make us do a math problem? What? No. Why would you do a math problem? Because if, they if always train have a math is problems. Going, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Train okay. A is going 52 train miles a, per hour from Texacoma. Train train A is coming north from Texarkana. 75 cars, 6,000 tons. Okay, keep these numbers in your mind. 75 cars? <laughs> yeah. So that's, the, a, that's a big-ass yeah, train. Yeah, the train was a mile long. Wow. wow. Now, the train was coming up a moderate hill known... As Bryant Hill. So they're in Bryant County. Now, this, we're in Arkansas. We're in the dead center mm-hmm. of Arkansas. This is right in the center. What is Arkansas even known for? I'm not saying that as derogatory. They're known for Bill Clinton. Other than that, I feel like My I. My cousin always... just graduated from the University of Arkansas, actually. Oh, that's the cool. hogs. Oh, I... speaking of hogs, 
really quick, I do want to shout out Megan when we were talking about hunting. Oh, my God. You know how bad that sounds? Speaking of <laughs> hogs, I want to shout out Megan. No, okay. So <laughs> University of Arkansas, I guess, is like the the, the boar. Maybe they're the boars. I'm not really sure. Oh, but there's like sort of so, some sort of pig. Um, and so when we were talking the other episode about hunting um, and deer hunting, Megan from one of our Tacos Supremos from Texas actually t- t- was telling us about hogs and how um, hog hunting is really big down there. But actually the population of wild hogs is so um, small. No, it's increasing in a wildly how? rapid amount that in order for them to they, and they're really bad for the environment, they kill other animals <gasps> oh, no. um, that in order for them to just maintain the population of hogs, they have to kill 70 percent each year oh because gosh. they increase that much. So it was actually a really great history lesson. So I wanted to say, Megan, shout out to you for explaining all of that. And you know in what? one case, we find out more about why hunting may be beneficial and get some awesome breakfast sausage. You know what that means? It's what? time to eat more bacon. Yeah. From um, from Texas, I guess. Also, you, you know what? I know that artichokes are a big crop in um, California, but I always associate Arkansas with artichoke, and I don't know why. Maybe because they sound similar. Yeah, alliteration. That's Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Do they grow artichokes in Arkansas? Can you find that out? I don't think so, but they grow Brussels sprouts in Brussels. Oh. Mm. I do love me some Brussels sprouts. Mm -hmm. You know what else I love? Mm. Taco Bell. (laughs) All right. So I'm Google earthing this. This is Saline, Arkansas. This is a railroad track right here where this story takes place tonight. Now, the train was going up a moderate hill known as Bryant Hill. It was going 52 miles an hour. A mile long, 75 cars, 6,000 tons. Jim, That's, what is 6,000 tons in pounds? Um, uh, 12,000 pounds. Very good. Well, that also means that the train was 5,280 feet long. That's a mile in what? feet. The train crew from that Union Pacific locomotive from that night was Jerry Tomlin, which was the conductor. Now, they're all in the front. Stephen Schroner the engineer, and Danny DeLamar. Now, this is like 2 in the morning, 2 or 3 in the morning, really late, pitch black outside, the train's barreling down the the track, and this is a quote, if you want to read this, Nicole, from Danny DeLamar, the brake man. Our headlight was on the bright position, DeLamar later recalled, And I noticed down the rail in front of me, some 10 or 15 cars away, there was a dark spot on the rail. I looked hard at it, and towards the last, I stood up to see what it was. So he was the first one to call it. So he got the attention of everyone else, and they're trying to look at this thing, which they call in the train world, they shout out, Big Hole. That's, is it a big hole? It's not a big hole, it's but just that's a dark spot. A dark spot. Oh. Meaning something the, means something is it? obstructing the track. Uh, they don't know what it is, but they they're trying to figure it out. You know what I think of when you say locomotive? What? Everybody's doing the brand new dance now. Come on, baby, do the locomotion. Did you know that's a Carol King song? I did not know that. She wrote it with her husband. Did not know that. Yep. And um the, the actually the artist who sang it and made it famous was actually their babysitter. Grand Funk Railroad? No. Grand Funk Railroad was a remake. Hmm. 
All right. So about 100 feet away. So there's this dark thing obstructing the view. Finally, when they get close enough, the engineer actually could see what it was. And he stood up. Now, they're all together in this whole cabin. He says, oh, my God. Uh-oh. And he yells to the brake man, brake, brake. We could tell there were two young men lying between the <gasps> rails just north of the bridge. And we also saw there was a gun beyond the boy who was lying just to the north. There was something covering these boys from their waist to just below their knees, and I'm not sure what this object was. They were both in between the rails, heads up against the west rail, and their feet were over the east rail. Both were facing... Both were right beside each other, and their arms and hands were to their sides, head facing straight up. I never noticed any movement at all. Oh, my God. It sounds like a 1920s silent movie where the guy ties people up to the railroad tracks, which is actually... (laughs) All I can think of is like... Like the yeah. ice cream man song, do 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 except like more malice, ma- like maleficent S- one, sped up. Yeah, no, Very but badass. not the ice cream man song. But like you know, the like where the silent movies, how they yeah. had music playing. You know, like that's all I can think of. And a mustached man with a curly mustache. What do they call that mustache again? The, the Charlie Chaplin mustache. Handlebar. Oh, Charlie you know, Chaplin had a Hitler mustache. Handlebar. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, you're right. No, not handlebar. Handlebar is the one that goes like it's like a goatee without the bottom. You know, Charlie Chaplin actually, um, he made that movie with like Hitler and I can't remember who else. They were in a barbershop and they were like, like raising their chairs up, like trying really? to like be taller than the other one. Yeah, that was Charlie Chaplin. But wasn't Charlie Chaplin in the 20s before the movies had sound? Yeah, it was one. It was a soundless movie. But Hitler didn't come into power until the 40s. The third. Well, he started emerging. The 30s. Emerging but in the 30s. Like Charlie Chaplin didn't die until like the. 50s oh you're right i sorry stella get out i of actually here. when i was in like maybe third or fourth grade dressed up as charlie chaplin for halloween at this time the brake man's pulling out the brake slamming on brakes so you got to keep in mind the engineer conductor the conductor jerry is on the horn the brake man is got the brakes up but neither of the boys were moving at all now these were Teenage boys. One was 16, one was 17. They were laying on the railroad track like so, like, like toy soldiers. Just, so like they were dead already or they, they were tied like, down? They looked like soldiers at attention. Hmm. There was a, a greenish tarp that was covering the boys' body. Oh, so they were dead already. I didn't say that. I said it. I started laying down on the diesel horn. And uh, I got no reaction, not at all, not so much as a flinch. And the uh, we just uh, passed over. So they couldn't stop because they were going 52 miles per hour, which was close to the speed limit? No, they couldn't stop because by the time they saw them, it was too late. You can't stop a train that's a mile long and like, yeah, like you can stop a car. I mean, it takes like 10 minutes to stop that damn train. That's true. That's why they were blaring the horn. And not only that, but a train barreling down with the brakes on, grinding those brakes, like still on steel. I mean, the, oh, the yeah. noise of that alone. Should have made them flinch. Yeah. And in one of the interviews, it said it was up to 96 decibels. Oof. It's wow. very loud. <laughs> And plus the vibrations of the track, like, you know, the train, plus the freaking horn 
on top of all this stuff. So and are the they, boys didn't even move. Are they, like that. So are they pretty confident that they were already dead? Um, well, I'm going to get to that. So here's how a train works because I'm a, I'm a train expert now. When a train hits an object on the track, there's either one or two things that can happen. It can either scoop it up and toss it off to the side of the road. Now, that thing, you know, the pointed thing on the yeah. train, yeah, yeah, yeah. that is called a cow catcher. Oh, it's kind of like <laughs> a front bumper, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, no, it, you know, it's, the pointy thing. It's the way thing. it's yeah. pointed. Yeah, the, the cow itself. catcher. So the cow catcher can either push it off or the other thing that can happen is the object will be sucked under the train mm. and it will continuously roll until it gets ejected, Ooh. most likely in several pieces. Oh, no. So... Obviously, these two boys, 116, 117, were run over by this train. That's terrible. Can you imagine the the gruesomeness of two bodies being run over by a train? I mean, Mm -hmm. the pieces were everywhere. The two kids' names were Don Henry and Kevin Ives. Those were the kids' names. Now, they were best friends. They were about to start their senior year in high school. It's a small town in Saline County, Arkansas. Now, why were they even out at 2 a.m. in the morning anyway? Well, Kids being kids? Kids being kids, yeah. The, the reason they went out is because both Kevin and Don love to spotlight deer, which is illegal in Arkansas. Basically, you take a big spotlight. You shine it, and then it, the deer, like, gets caught up in that gaze, and he stands still, and the other boy shoots him. Okay. So, Aww. yeah, it's kind of sad. That's yeah. sad. Is that what happens when, like, deer are on the highway, yeah, and they, they get, see the light, and then they kind of get blinded yeah, 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 and go yeah. crazy and run in front of the no, cars? I guess that's the deer in headlights expression. Well, yeah, so the deer in headlights is basically, hmm. no, when, the reason that's dangerous is when they see the light, they just stop and freeze. They don't try to run so they're like so they just stay in the middle of the road oh okay so like yeah. they're in the middle of the road and they see the headlight and then they stop yeah so if you spotlight a deer you basically get them to just stand still and then you can shoot them that's sad wow. i don't yeah. like hunting before that they came back to their parents house now they were going to spend the night together they came back around 12 and then the dad um kevin ives dad said they were going out hunt hunting. It's a small town. Everyone hunts, especially at night. Right. Right. I mean, there's nothing that could happen. That it was... sounds like an unfair advantage. Yeah, it is. Kind of How fun. would you feel if I shined a light into your face and then shot you? Not so great, I'd imagine. I wouldn't feel good. Now, the medical examiner, once he examined both the boys' remains, which, I mean, think about taking the remains to the autopsy room. It's like a bucket, you yeah, know what I'm saying? A whole bunch of random like, stuff. All oh, kinds no. of shit. I mean, everything's in pieces. You got run over by a train. Like, your yeah. your fingers are all, like, it's all everything's just different pieces. Hmm. So the medical examiner actually said that the boys were on marijuana. Well, I couldn't believe that this is that Kevin, Kevin was spot. knocked out on marijuana or, or into any kind of heavy drugs, anything like that, because... I was home a lot during the day when Kevin even came during from that school picture? and Linda was here at nights. And we've never seen picture. him in a state that he even act like he was, you know, spaced out or however you want to phrase it. 
I just couldn't see any signs that he was into any kind of heavy drugs or any kind of really drugs at all. The medical examiner came out and said that the boys had smoked so much marijuana that they fell asleep on the track. Now, this is important. I don't know about that. This is really important because from the February 18th edition, 1988, of the Baxter Bulletin, the medical examiner, quote, said in the autopsy report that the boys were unconscious and in a deep sleep on the railroad tracks under the psychedelic effects of marijuana when they were struck by the train. Now, he said he claims that they've smoked 20 marijuana cigarettes. If anyone out there has ever smoked marijuana, you immediately call bullshit because you don't get into a psychedelic trance where you fall completely asleep. And even if you do wind up on the railroad tracks, the vibe, the heavy vibrations of a train, the, the horn, the heavy vibrations of the train, plus the braking and that loud noise, like you're easily and not only that, you're not stiff bored either. Yeah, I feel like your body would still go into fight or flight, even if it's, you know, may not be as quick of a reaction um, to being completely sober. But would that be the case if they had the equivalent of 20 joints? 20 joints? It doesn't take you 20 joints to get high. Exactly, but that's what they're found in their system. Well, here's the thing. They... The medical examiner claimed that he found a small dime bag of marijuana, which a dime bag is like enough for maybe one joint. Hmm. You're talking about two kids that don't have any damn money. How did 20 marijuana cigarettes, you know how much money that is? And who? how are they going to, they just carry 20 weed cigarettes with them in their pocket? I feel like also. Like, were they going to smoke themselves stupid? I feel like also people who smoke marijuana aren't going to waste like 20 cigarettes and as 20 marijuana. 20 joints in a day. You know what I mean? Like, they know... Yeah, you would pass out or end up at IHOP before you can even get finished with five of those joints. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know about this. All right. But anyway, we'll get back to that. That same paper, the Baxter Bulletin, says that the paramedic on the scene, Shirley Raper, says, quote, blood from the bodies and on the body parts were we observed was a dark color in nature. Due to our training, this would indicate a lack of oxygen present in the blood and could pose a question as to how long the victims had been dead. Hmm. She also quotes, the blood stuck out like a sore thumb. So she notices the blood is way too dark Hmm. to these kids have been on this train and the train hit them. Plus there was a lack of blood at the scene. Basically, when you get so they cut were, by a train, blood shoots everywhere. Right, unless they're hitting all the major arteries. Yeah. Right. But their blood's coagulated. Yeah, so as coagulated as thicker, it was just, it it didn't look right to them. Huh. It was That was also co- corroborated by Billy Heath, another EMT that was with her. And he actually agreed that there was, quote, an absence of fresh blood as is normally present at most trauma sites. Hmm. I would hate to be like the EMT or cleanup crew on this yeah. scene. It sounds awful. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm just saying I just I like it just sounds like a terrible terrible scene. Yeah. All right. The death was actually ruled an accident. Now, hmm. here so here's what they're saying. Okay, either it, they thought probably suicide at first, but no, that's stupid. It'd be this, one thing if there was one yeah. victim with two com- Two 
committing suicide together on a railroad track? I don't think so. Yeah. That's a I've heard of people jumping in front of trains, but laying on a railroad track that's I don't think so. I I feel like one of them would have not. If they were that stoned, how did they lay down in identical positions? Mhm. That was my immediate reaction to his ruling. We checked the train, and it was 98 decimals, which is equal to a jackhammer and air compressor running. I don't think that no one can uh, sleep through that kind of noise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Another thing, too, my son's gun, it was laying on gravel. I know my son too well. He would not lay it on gravel. He wouldn't take a chance on the wood getting scratched. So they had the guns with them when they were found they had one rifle with them now linda ives was the mother of kevin ives remember that name because she is very important in the story okay the family calls bullshit especially linda ives she says this medical examiner says my son got smoked 20 joints with his friend and they laid down on the railroad track and got run over by a train. She said fucking bullshit. And the medical examiner ruled it an accident. So now what? I mean, I'm already calling bullshit and I don't even know all the facts. It just sounds fishy. It does sound fishy. And you know what? Last time uh, last time we recorded, I promised you guys that this was going to be a crazy episode, and I am going to deliver on that promise tonight. So let's talk about how the police at Saline County actually processed this as what they would call, quote, traffic accident. I, I mean, if there was one person on the on the tracks like that, I would say it's more plausible than to have two people on the tracks die the same exact way. I just, I just don't see it. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to play like devil's advocate if you're re- – I mean, again, like this – we know that the, it's really loud, the decibels. But if you're really fucking high out of your minds and you're with your friend, you're like, let's go lay down on the train tracks for whatever dumb reason. I mean, it's plausible that they would lie down next to each other. I'm just saying. It's plausible that they lie down next to each other, but there was also stated that there was a green tarp over them. They're going to lie a tarp over them. Also, maybe they were cold. Marijuana does not affect every single person the same exact way. Everyone reacts differently. This was in August. To fa- the fact that, they, that there were two people, they're saying they both smoked. Like, okay, they very well... I'm not denying the fact that there is marijuana in their system. I'm just saying, had they smoked marijuana, I'm not. I just think the fact that they were both knocked unconscious and you know couldn't react to the situation, like not everyone is asleep, a deep sleeper. Like I don't know. I just I I don't think it's possible. I think there's something going, something else going on. All right. So the train has stopped. The damage has been done. It's 4.40 a.m. that same night, shortly after the train stopped. Deputy Chuck Talent and Lieutenant Ray Richmond arrived at the scene at the scene at 4.40 a.m. Deputy Talent, T-A-L-L-E-N-T, when he was conducting the crime scene investigation, he made a few very crucial mistakes. There's a lot of body parts laying 
all over the tracks and mm-hmm. all over the gravel. You guys mm-hmm. understand that. Right. And all the evidence and stuff. So what you would do in a crime scene is you would find a reference point that is stationary. And then you say, okay, that human foot or that hand is, you know, 20 paces away or whatever your unit of measurement is away from this reference point. He made the reference point, the back of the train, which eventually was going to move. Right. Therefore messing up all of his references. So it makes sense. Like if, if it's a crime scene is supposed to be exact, you can't say, oh, the hand is 20 feet away from the back of the train. Now the train is gone in next county. It's no longer, there's nothing gotcha. referenced. Do you guys so, understand that? Okay, yeah. so I'm just trying to reiterate to understand. So from the moment that the train is stopped, they come onto the scene and they say, all right, from this back of this train, the foot is 10 paces. Yeah, and they... they Measured everything off of that. That's the reference point is the back of the train. They should have did from a reference point of this tree or. You're right. Whatever, you know, something that would not move. You are very correct. If but even if he I'm not I'm not disagreeing. I'm just reinforcing. Even if he made the train the back in the back of the train, the reference point like. Say you would have to say, okay, this you're right. This tree is 50 paces away from from the train, so you have to make something that's stationary, as like a backup reference point. That way, you can say, okay, this train is 50 paces away from this tree, so and the foot is 20 paces away from the from the train, so this foot is 70 paces away from this tree. Jen, you just confused Jen. me. What the hell? <laughs> Jen, just let him talk. Sorry. <laughs> now I'm confused. No, I'm not trying to All confuse right. you. Okay, I'm just saying there needs to be a backup. Yeah. Okay, okay, the next mistake they made was they allowed another train, which had stopped, to go ahead and pass. That's wrong. Which <laughs> any evidence was further scattered. Okay, uh, Chuck Talent came out at a press conference when he did the press conference, and he he said how great the crime scene investigation went. The next uh, day, he said this: "I'm theme. so proud of my officers. We heard this. They the did such murders. a they did such a good job processing this evidence. Twenty four hours later, someone goes to the sheriff station." With one of the boys' foot. What the they fuck? They left one of the the feet there it, on the train tracks. You know what I thought of? It's like when you said there's like they let another train pass. It's like nothing to see here. Go ahead. Move along. Like yeah. disregard this murder that happened. Like That's awful. That's yeah. pretty bad. I mean, somebody came up and found a foot. I mean, how well did they process the scene? Like, Hi, I, mean, I found this foot. Like, like now, I, don't, I don't know what to do with far. it. Put yourself in the shoes of the three guys from the train crew that I talked about earlier. Number one, you you heard one of them talk on that interview. They were in shock. Right. They just ran over two teenage kids. Yeah, that's 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 act- their the- life is never going to be the same. Right. That I mean, I mean, you know, what I'm saying P- PTSD from the get go or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's real. So. They get out of the train. Now they're trying to make sense of everything. So they tell the police exactly what was going on. But for some reason, they started getting met with all kinds of resistance. Okay. For instance, 
every one of those guys saw a green tarp mm-hmm. yeah, over I the remember, boys. I remember you mentioning that. Well, the police, the the deputy, deputy talent, talent or whatever his name is, the deputies said, no, that was, you were seeing things. It was just an optical illusion. There's no tarp out here. Are they saying that because they couldn't find the green tarp? Well, maybe. Well, maybe the the tarp got caught under the train. Did they look under the train? This is from Conductor Jerry Tomlin. The Conductor Jerry Tomlin walked the track. You didn't ask who to read. <laughs> you can read it. Go ahead. <laughs> the Conductor Jerry Tomlin walked the tracks with his flashlight looking for that tarp, and he found it. Having apparently blown off the boys upon impact, it landed at the base of the trestle. Shining his flashlight on the tarp, he pointed it out to the deputy Talent. That makes me think of Talent to Is it Talent or Talent? I don't know. I don't know. There's two L's. It makes me think of Talenti. He denied that later, Tomlin recalled. He said, I didn't tell him about finding that tarp, but I did. And I told him where part of it was at, at the bridge bulkhead. I remember it as well as I remember him. So in the book that I pulled that quote from, then he goes in to saying exactly what every d- deputy was wearing that night and, and every detail. It's not like he made this up. Plus, three other people or two other train members saw this damn tarp. It just seems like an, a weird thing. He for pointed to out deny. this tarp with a flashlight. Now the police were still denying the tarp's existence. Such such a ridiculous thing. See, I was thinking that they were denying the tarp's existence because maybe it burned up with the friction of the train breaking. But like, if this guy is saying that he shined a flashlight on it, that's that's something totally different. Now I think the police is involved. In this video I'm showing you now, it doesn't have sound. And so if you want to describe kind of what you're seeing, they also denied the existence of the rifle. What? At the crime, at the scene, the, the boys' rifle. The rifle that was rifle, laid on the gravel? The rifle that was laid right beside the boys on the gravel. The one that... Kevin Ives' dad said he would never lay that on the gravel because he loves that gun. He would never want to get it scratched. Right. He would never do that. Now the police are denying that thing even exists. But this is the actual crime scene video during that same What's in that circle? investigation. This is the gun. That oh, shit. Is that is the a gun. That's a gun. Yeah, that's a gun. That is the rifle. Now, why would police deny that and then you see a video of it? Because they're involved. Dun, dun, dun. See, now the plot thickens. Mm-hmm. It does thicken. Now, quite I told a bit. you, I promised you last week, it's going to be a crazy case. Yep. And we're and it's going to be, this case builds on itself. Starts off a little crazy, gets a little more crazy. And then by the time we're done with this, we probably have to change our address. <laughs> well, I do also want to mention that a lot of tarps are blue. So the fact that he he made it like he made it known that it was a, a green tarp. There are green tarps. It's kind of like a hunter forest green, you know, like right when you think of green tarp, you think of like a hunter forest green. I usually when you say tarp, I think of a blue tarp. Okay, Jen, let's move on from the tarp color. Yeah, there's a lot of tarp talk, Jen. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, I, got very some, I got some more tarp for you there, right here. All four of the people on the train who were able to observe the scene. This is Richard Garrett, the uh, deputy prose- prosecuting attorney for Saline County. Prior to his the mustache accident, is uneven. 
stated that the boys were partially covered by a green tarp. The tarp was never found. Even though the the conductor pointed out his flashlight, police said it was never found. So okay. on police records, it was never found, but others yeah. saw it and found it. Yes. Okay. One week before the accident, there was a man wearing military fatigue spotted near the tracks. Okay. This is what the police came out with. And in fact, Danny Allen, a Bryant patrolman, which Bryant is the next county over, actually gave pursuit to that subject when they spotted him a week before. And he was shot at, but the guy got away. Why? I I wonder, like, if we're talking about an actual soldier or, like, someone, like, stolen valor, because that's a problem, too. Why would somebody be dressing up like a colonel? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like two in Some the morning. Some people wear like <laughs> just camo stuff. Yeah, like yeah no I'm military. saying like who wears their fatigues out in in public at two in the morning? Well, I don't mean I don't mean like dress blues. I mean like I know what you're talking about. The camo. What the homeless fatigue. people wear? Yeah, exactly. That, exactly. Oh yeah, I Was wear it, that stuff all the time. My no, brother wears don't. combat boots still. Yeah, combat wear, boots, yeah, but I've you never don't. Seen you wear anything? But camo. you don't have to. You don't dress in like I your, wear camo every day. You don't dress with your jacket and your pants in your combat Well, boots. I'm going to start. Okay. Well, that's one thing. You actually earned it, but stolen valor mm-hmm. is a problem. All right. So but, so what were they pursuing this guy for? No, I mean, he was just... Just for being homeless? No, he wasn't homeless. It was just weird that they saw him a week before, and then he tried to shoot one of the deputies, and he went off. So they're not thinking, all right, well, we got this murderer now. We know who killed these kids. Obviously, the, that random guy in the home in the, the random guy, yeah. That sounds like a very well thought I, out. I'm already over this, not in a way that I don't want <laughs> to hear the rest of it. I'm just saying, like, why do people just assume that? Like, there's no connection, is there? The same night as the boys died, the man was once again spotted nearly 200 yards away from that same scene where they were on the tracks. Oh well, that's different. Maybe I'm not. All over right, it. we got two dead boys. We got an EMT and a nurse saying that the blood doesn't match them getting killed by a train. We also got the conductor, brakeman, and engineer in the train saying they saw a tarp. We got the police denying the rifle and the tarp's existence, even though the conductor pointed it out to him with a flashlight. Seems like a crazy-ass case. Is there anyone else to back up the conductor? Or was it just the conductor, he said, she said, like, type of thing? They all saw the tarp. Right, but I'm just (laughs) saying that the conductor showed him with a flashlight, but was there anyone there with the conductor when he was showing the police officer with a flashlight? I don't know, Jen. I'm sorry. The parents, Linda Ives especially, she is the, what do you call it, the protagonist. She's pushing this case forward. She says, bullshit. You let me talk to that damn medical examiner. My kids didn't smoke weed and lay on the damn tracks. That didn't happen. That doesn't happen. It's never happened in the history. People don't smoke weed and then lay on the tracks and just get run over by a train. That is not a thing. Mm. Okay. So she went out to the media and the media said, yeah, you're right. This doesn't make sense. Mm. Let's go talk to the medical examiner. So they went to the medical examiner, and this is a video of him. Was there a step? The answer is no, they were not stepped. Were they dead beforehand? 
absolutely know they were alive. That was a medical examiner. That was medical examiner Dr. Fahmy, F-A-H-M-Y, Malik. Saying there's... He is from Egypt, dead. which is... I was just going to yeah. ask if he was Egyptian. You He's, were not. Tina. I swear on my my <laughs> grandmother's soul that I was. I swear on my grandmother's soul that I was, and I never say that. I take it very seriously. I almost was going to ask if he was Egyptian, but you said it before I was going to ask. So the media... And as well as Linda Ives, they started looking into Fami Malik's history of autopsy cases, and they started seeing some really absurd rulings that he would give. Let, hmm. let me give you an example. On June 28th, 1985, this is one of his other cases, not related to the story. Okay. On June 28th, 1985, a guy named Raymond P. Albright, a 50-year-old man living in Mountain Home, Arkansas— Okay, so Fami Malik is the medical examiner in Arkansas. You guys got that right? Mm -hmm. For all of Arkansas or for this particular county? For all of Arkansas. He was living in Mountain Home, Arkansas, and he was found dead in his yard of gunshot wounds. Now, Malik, Fami Malik, ruled the death as suicide, okay? That sounds like Rami Malik. Yeah, it does. You know, a lot of people kill themselves with guns. Right. You know? But not everyone, or not, I should say, not anyone, could actually use a high-powered pistol and shoot themselves five times in the chest. Oh, no. And be ruled a suicide. That and doesn't happen. Especially That's in their happened. yard. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Yeah. You, you, yeah, you agree. get one, maybe two. That's it. Not five times. That doesn't even make any sense. Like, you're just going to go stand in your yard and shoot yourself five times? Another case, not related to this case, a guy named James Dewey Millam. Now, he was another man in Arkansas. He was found dead and decapitated with a very clean cut. His head was cut off clean, like a freaking sword, like a samurai Cut his head right off, clean cut. Malik ruled his death was from natural causes because he had a, quote, stomach ulcer. And that once he died of a stomach ulcer, the family dog had walked up to him, the family pooch, and eaten his head and his skull and his all the bones in his head completely. And then Malik claimed that he actually came to this conclusion because he tested the family dog's vomit and he found brain matter in the vomit. (laughs) But you know, this is these are the times that I wish that I wish that our podcast was on video sometimes because like when you're looking at our reaction, okay, the dog may have had brain matter in Well no, here's the here's the cherry on cop. The cherry on top, Jen. The head was found a few weeks later, a couple blocks away in a dumpster. The full head. Intact? <laughs> yes. Intact. So the dog had someone else's brains in it? No. The guy, I know. I'm kidding. The guy's head was cut off with a buck knife by someone who murdered him. Because a dog, if he was to chew your head off, which dogs do chew faces off, but you're not, a dog's not going to chew a head completely clean, clean off. yeah. Yeah, that's Like, true. that is ridiculous. Okay, so this guy's got some um, questionable work. I'll Past say. history is not doing so Oh, no, good. it's very important to 
this guy is very important. That's why I'm. Um, I will agree that he's important, but like in the stance that what he says may not be credible. No, this guy is extremely important in this case. No, he's important, but he's not credible. Oh, no, he's definitely not credible. But he is the Arkansas medical examiner. How? Linda Ives and her family and Don Henry's family convinced the state to grant them a grand jury trial. Because it was like, this, my son, all right, you got this guy saying... He the dogs are eating people's heads off, and like obviously he's a liar. Once Rami or Rami Malik, once <laughs> Malik came out with that crazy thing, this is the public outrage for his removal from office. The medical examiner comes up and he has fabrication to where he has has, has created his own evidence. This is of a magnitude that could create a national scandal, and if necessary, it will. I have work to do. That's not you know me. I have work to do. Excuse yes. me. Yes. And you, you can say that you are honest. Lying on his autopsy cases, lying in court. And he's not an honest person. He should be prosecuted. Now, here is the outrage with this guy. Jocelyn Elders, which is Arkansas State Medical Examiner Chairman, or Chairwoman, it's Chairman, but, and and Governor at the time, Bill Clinton, which is from Arkansas, both supported Malik. And in one article, Clinton comes out and says Malik was just, quote, overstressed. Oh. fucking shit. The same Bill Clinton that cheated on his wife with Monica Lewinsky and then denied it and was impeached? Is that and the same Bill Clinton? Is Jocelyn, that the same Bill Clinton? Jocelyn Elders, which eventually became the U.S. Surgeon General, she I... also said in a article from August 31st, 1944 in the Chicago Tribune when her son... 29-year-old Kevin Elders was arrested for selling cocaine to an undercover officer. Oh, my God. Quote. It wasn't cocaine. It was flour. Kevin Elders, Hmm. 29, was convicted last month of selling one-eighth ounce of cocaine to a police informant and sentenced to 10 years in prison on Monday. Jocelyn, the one that supported Fahmy Malik, says, quote, I don't feel that was a crime. What? Yes. Now this time, I mean, it's a crime unless it's your son, right? Now there's, I I don't care about politics, but there is a damn reason this case is building on this. Keep that in mind. Nepotism. I don't know what that is, Jenny. It means that you don't think, like, you're very. uh, I favor your children. Yeah, or relatives. I can't think straight. Uh, Future John, this is drunk Jen talking, but. Jen. Jen, come on, man. We got to get, I'm ready. Keep going. All right. In the Reno Gazette Journal on the 19th of May, 1992, an article says, an article that came out says that Malik, Fami Malik, the Arkansas medical examiner, protected Bill Clinton's mother, which was a nurse anesthesiest. Quote, to avoid scrutiny in the death of a patient. 
Malik was, quote, sort of protected by the governor and the state crime laboratory board. I believe it. Now, what happened? All right. So they know about this case, about these. The the case is called The Boys on the Track. The book that we're reading from, which would be a great name for a a boy band, Boys on the Track. (laughs) The Boys on the Track by Marie Leverett. It's a really great book. Collusion. Not only did they, did Clinton say that Malik was stressed, at the end of the day, they ended up giving him a 41% raise. Wow. After all this public outrage of him blatantly lying about a dog eating a man's head and then them finding the head and all this public protesting to get him out, both President or both Governor Clinton and Jocelyn Elders both had the power to kick him out of office and but they, they didn't. didn't. That's What's... outrageous, actually. Speaking from someone who's in the education realm and today in 2019, teachers in South Carolina are fighting for a raise of five to 10 percent. And they're going to give this this guy who lied about a dog using a guy's head. 41% race, even though it's in the what, 80s. What's, what's in it for him with all this? Like, why would he lie about it? Or is he just that incompetent? You know what I mean? I think he's lying intentionally. But what's in it for him to lie about a dog? Protection so? from the governor. Uh, well, just just watch. I, it, it draws unnecessary attention if that's what he's after. Always. Based on the facts I have... I really feel that Arkansas owes Dr. Malik a great debt and a real apology. Today, the governor was asked if Malik should resign. I don't think that's a decision that I should make based on what I now know. All right, so that didn't really answer the question. No, he didn't answer it. My lips. I'm not going to command. Dr. Malik refused repeated requests to talk with us. But when we caught up with him, he said people didn't like him because he's from Egypt. And he claimed he had never made a single mistake in any of the 7,000 autopsies he conducted. People say that as the state medical examiner, you were incompetent and you bungled cases and that Governor Clinton, for some reason, defended you and protected you. Is is that the case? Uh, You have to understand... They did 7,000 autopsies. Not one single case overturned because of me. Not a single case? Not one single case. But that's just not true. I have to say, uh, do they actually have a number of autopsies committed? Because he said in 7,000 autopsies, but his, I mean... Just from what we've heard in the past 30 minutes from you, like, did he actually perform that many autopsies? Because that kind of sounds like an exaggeration for me. I don't know. Obviously, this guy's full of shit. Okay. So the family went out and they hired another expert to exhume both the boy's body mm. and retest everything. His name is Dr. Joe Burton. Now, he is a very well renowned pathologist from Atlanta. Now, he his findings revealed that Don Henry, this is very important, Don Henry was stabbed in the back and Kevin Ives was smashed in the face by a rifle butt. 
Oh my goodness. Prior to being hmm. to being placed on the tracks. So they were unconscious. It's very sad for the families to have to ex- exhume the bodies of their children because of this malpractice from the medical examiner. Mm. A former employee at the crime lab has said he discovered what appeared to be evidence of a stab wound during the original autopsy, but was told, quote, not to worry about it. One of the Mm. employees, now there were several employees that actually quit and everything. It was like a revolving door with Malik. But he brought up the fact that there was one of these boys had a stab wound and Malik said, quote, don't worry about it. That's that's weird. I just don't understand what's in it. Like, is it just okay? Be, let me create these store stories well, about the autopsy and wait. be done with it. Now, also, Doctor Burton also noticed that Fami Malik had sawed the boys' skulls in so many directions that it was impossible to tell where the original fractures occurred. He said he has done thousands and thousands of autopsies, Dr. Burton, and has never seen someone mutilate evidence the way, unnecessarily, the way Fami Malik did. Was he trying to hide something here? Well, I mean, it all depends on the state of the bodies when they were discovered. This information alone would strongly suggest that the boys were injured, uh, rendered unconscious, or even killed prior to their Bodies being robbed by the train. Don Henry was stabbed in the back. Kevin Ives smashed in the face with a rifle butt. Fami Malik saw the boys' skulls in so many directions that it was impossible to tell where the original fractures, fractures occurred. Malik also completely dismantled the boys' jawbones at the time. And he also claimed that the boys has the boys had only smoked three or four marijuana cigarettes. From December 30th, 1988, the Casper Star Tribune, Dr. Burton is quoted, the boys' lungs contain too much fluid for them to have died instantly. And the teens were almost certainly incapacitated or dead when the train struck them, end quote. Before the grand jury came together, you have two lawyers that came up to Linda Ives and said, I want to push this case forward. I want to bring whoever killed your sons, because it wasn't a train, right. to justice. And they said they'd even do it pro bono. They nice. were just wow. hard to do this. I mean, they were just going to do, do it, it to it. And they, they actually, these two guys actually got the grand jury to convene. One of them's name was Dan Harmon, who you'll see here from a little bit, and Richard Garrett, which was his... Deputy prosecutor. Mm -hmm. So they're the ones that came to the Linda Ives and her family and the Harmon family and pushed this thing forward. The media was on Linda Ives' side during this point. They were bashing Malik. They were asking Clinton why he's supporting this lunatic, right? Dan Harmon, a former state prosecutor from 1978 to 1980, he approaches the Ives family and says, hey, I want to bring these killers to justice. He appoints Deputy Prosecutor Richard Garrett to help him lead the grand jury investigation. Now, the grand jury was ultimately closed after eight months, and all the information from the grand jury, including Dr. Burton, was suppressed to the public. Hmm. And there was nothing that came out of the grand jury, and it was halted on December December 1st, 1988. But one thing 
that the grand jury did do was change the accidental ruling to possible homicide. So that is one step forward. Mm-hmm. Mm. So you got two prosecutors that are sticking their neck out, Dan Harmon, Richard Garrett. They're going to make sure these killers are brought to justice. Right. Because as of right now, it's, they just have like that random guy. Yeah. Entities. Now, let me talk a little bit about the drug problem. And it is a very huge problem in Arkansas. So there is a movie called American Made. It's from our favorite actor here at Talk Murder, Tom Cruise. And he portrays (laughs) Adler Barry Seal. So everyone just calls him Barry Seal. Barry Seal. B-A-R-R-Y Seal. Now, he was once the largest cocaine smuggler pilot in history. I mean, this guy had the, the movies made about him. He started off smuggling all kinds of drugs. He was a fantastic pilot. He could fly low under radar. He could he could land in jungles, literally in a fucking jungle, like well, with no runway. Was he an airplane pilot or a helicopter pilot? Uh, airplane, like a Cessna. He would fly little Cessna pl- planes and okay. stuff. At the time, he was working for the TWA, mm-hmm. but he decided it was like this one time. I don't really know his story. I didn't dive into it, but he was offered by some cartel to move some drugs. And then after that, I mean, he got paid like a million dollars for one easy cocaine drop. Must be nice. So after that, he was hooked and he became one of the largest suppliers. Now, he eventually started smuggling cocaine for the notorious Medellin cartel, Mm, Mr. Pablo Escobar. In 1982, he was bringing drugs into the United States for Mr. Escobar. He was this guy bringing in the drugs in this huh. plane. Now, what the fuck does this guy do with the story? Where am I going with this? I don't know. You got... Mr. Malik is on that cocaine. All right. This story gets crazy as <laughs> shit, I'm telling you. Okay. This guy, Barry Seal, now he was eventually... Gunned down on February 19th, 1986, and from an April 6th, 1987 paper, the Philadelphia Inquirer, quote, an assassin fired a MAC-10 submachine gun 15 times at seal as he was getting out of his Cadillac in the parking lot of the Salvation Army Community Treatment Center here. The burst lasted about two seconds and was, that's quick fire. Wow, two seconds? Yeah. Two seconds and was on target. Seal was shot in the head, chest, and arm. He was dead in seconds. Wow. That was on some movie, some drug movie. I think it was with Johnny Depp. Like, he was in that movie. Blow? Blow, yeah. And he gets out of the Cadillac and he gets shot. He was yeah. the, that guy that was in the plane. Huh. That was him. That's Barry Seal. He's famous. Huh. And his story goes, we're not going to get to his story, but he's tied in with the CIA. Okay. Like, he's got... Anyway, he became an informant during his. So also he was an informant for CIA why he was doing these drug runs and getting paid. It was a crazy story. Hmm. Anyway, why am I saying that? Because in the late 80s, before he was gunned down, he moves his base, his drug operation from Baton Rouge, Louisiana to Mena, Arkansas, oh, which okay. is right next door to the boys on the track. Oh. Okay, now, 
What I didn't tell you is even before the boys on the track, there have been constant, constant complaints from people in Saline County about low flying aircraft uh. with no lights on flying over the train tracks. Hmm. Now does the story starting to make sense to you? Yeah. Okay, now we're getting it. Now we're getting on a roll. Hmm. Now now we're starting to peel back the now onion. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're starting to th- wonder about that tarp. Where'd that tarp go and why they're trying to cover it up? It's starting to peel back Police the onion Police are all here. involved. Mm-hmm. All right. Escobar is involved. The grand jury. Now, Linda Ives has been fighting this case still to this day. Wow. And in fact, she directly reached out to Donald Trump for his help. Recently? Really? Yeah, recently. But... Where we're at is it's been two it's been three years since her voice has died. The grand jury was a failure, but it did change the cause of death, mm-hmm. which is the only thing it did. Right. But that's still a pretty big The attorneys are pro bono, they're going out on their I mean, there's some good people in this world. Right. Mm-hmm. Prose, uh prosecutor Dan Harmon and Richard Garrett, they're pro bono. Let's get I'm a I don't care that the grand jury was kind of a failure. Let's let's continue on. That's what good lawyers do, and that's who Dan Harmon was. He's a good lawyer. Okay. Right. Now here is a eyewitness. Eyewitness to the train. Massacre? Yes, he was on the train tracks. There was a lot of people on the train tracks. Really? Here you go. Where we uh, didn't realize there was anybody else out there at first. We were just like I said, goofing off, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, we come up on, or didn't really come up on, we noticed there were people on the track, so a flashlight come on and then go back off. They weren't looking in our direction, but we could see the light. And so we kind of quieted down and snuck up a little bit closer to see what was going on. And there were five individuals uh, standing on the tracks. One thing that struck my curiosity is, uh, at the time my mother was dating uh, an attorney, Named Dan, uh, Dan Harmon. I, I knew him hmm. well enough to recognize him. There were uh, two more individuals that, uh, a few minutes after we got there, uh, were walking down the railroad tracks that had a rifle uh, and what looked to be a flashlight. And they were more or less kind of minding their own business. Uh, and when they realized someone else was on the tracks, uh, they stopped and was fixing to turn around when someone uh, or Danny motioned for him to come closer uh, over to where they were uh, they hesitated and uh, eventually ended up uh, walking on towards the rest of the group while my head was turned I heard a, what sounded like a gunshot a soft flash as you would expect with a gunshot at night Ned Harmon <laughs> Dan Harmon Dan Harmon Fami Mallet comes out accidental right the press goes crazy. Linda Ives, the mother, says she ain't going to take this shit. The family is getting looked at because they everyone thinks their sons are potheads and they sat on the train tracks. Right. You got these two nice attorneys, Dan Harmon and Richard Garrett, approach them and say they want to do the work pro bono. And ah. now this guy is saying Dan Harmon was on the track. Right. Do you get it? He was representing her and he was the one. I was on the track. Oh, my gosh. Do you guys understand where this is going? He yes. was trying to move the Cover case up. away from him. Yes, he's, he was. The only reason he approached wow. Linda Ives was because he was trying to move the case in a direction that he, that he wanted to. 
because wow. he's on the track. This doesn't stop here. Oh, we, this is a two parter. We're going up the chain. <laughs> oh my god, we're going up the chain here. This is uh, Charlene Wilson, which Dan Harmon actually was dating at the time, not at the time, but prior. Dan Harmon and another fellow who I'll mention in a minute actually got her addicted to cocaine when she was 16. And now she's in prison because Dan Harmon put her in prison for 30 years for nothing. So this is why this interview is in prison. The people at the track that night, to my knowledge, were Dan Harmon, Keith McCaskill, Larry Rochelle. I do know that the boys were watching the drop site. Okay, and they got curious as to what was being dropped there. Like the cocaine drop site? Yes. Mm-hmm. Dan Harmon, the guy, the savior. The lawyer. The lawyer, the lawyer that's going to push this case forward. Now, no one knows this at the time. This only came out to light in the 90s. Mm. Episode two, we're going to talk about, I'm going to be talking about nine witnesses are people that knew too much. That were mysteriously died. <gasps> Sounds like someone has a cocaine problem. One, one, this guy they mentioned uh, McCaskill, 115 stab wounds. I'm gonna oh talk about God. that in the That's second excessive. episode. So where are we at? We got Fami Malik, right, covering this up. Uh huh. The police covering this up. Mm-hmm. Yep. The lawyer covering it up. The lawyer and the mom. I did not have Bill sex Clinton. with that woman. Bill. This is of Roger Clinton, Bill's brother. I didn't even know he had a brother. Yeah, they don't want you to know that. They're in Arkansas at the time. This is when Roger Clinton was selling cocaine. Did you get, can no. you see the web here? No, and also, how is this not impacting the Clinton campaign? Have you guys That's ever heard of the years Clinton, the Clinton death machine? This is a I've case they're talking Clinton about. I've heard of the Clinton death machine. I have heard of the Clinton death machine. Not. Do you want to know why that no one talks about this? Because they suppress it. I took three quarters of an ounce up there just because, and I thought I'd have too much. Well, I went in one day and then I didn't have anything left. Yeah, this, this is definitely a, a good hash crime. I've got about four or five people in uniform that keep an eye on these people that keep an eye on me. Yeah. I got four or five people in uniform that keep an eye on these people that keep an eye on me. And they, they, uh, these uniform people help me stay one step ahead of the game. You got cocaine being distributed as a major drop point in Arkansas. You got Bill Clinton going out the bat, giving Fami Malik a raise do you guys not see the cover up here? Oh, yes. Are you guys starting to see this? Involved. Yes, that's what I was trying to get at the whole time. And this story goes way higher than that. Now, this, this was when he was involved as a governor. Mm. This story actually goes up, 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 up. There's a lot of people involved. And wow. no one has ever been arrested Till this day. That's why the mother has reached out. We'll talk about more of this on the next episode. I never knew all this stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Roger Clinton, huge cokehead right there in Arkansas. He says he's got detectives on his side. These cops 
um, in- including the sheriff, uh, the sheriff and all the deputies were all in on this. And not only that, in the next video, once I talk about all the witnesses that got murdered, some of the people on the track that night were the detectives. Holy shit. Their two detectives actually killed these kids. What? Yes, that's what everyone's saying. No one has ever been arrested. Oh, my God. Yet. At all. And not only that, this case, no one knows about it. And it's so big. It's such a huge cover-up. Wow. It's huge. Like, the boys on the track is just a small facet to, it's like turning on a little, a small faucet that's on the next side of a huge swimming pool. It's huh. like such a small little part of it. What what are, what like what does this, these murders go by the the boys in the tracks or the the Mena murder? Like no the the Mena connection is see in Mena Arkansas they have a private airstrip. Uh huh. And that's where all the cocaine Barry Seal run, ran all. I mean he bought all these little Cessna planes and they would just fly over the tracks. And just drop this cocaine with a little parachute, hit the track. The detective, or excuse me, the deputies in the counties would convene on the tracks, recover the drugs, and then disperse it. The boys on the track, the boys saw this happen. They were a wit, they witnessed this. And but then you start scratching back the the sheriff is involved. Okay, the sheriff is definitely involved. The medical examiner is definitely involved. Then you yeah. take those people back, and then you say the pro- the prosecuting attorney's involved. And also, I'll get to next week. The judge was oh in God. cahoots. So both attorneys and Judge Cole, judge he Judge Cole appointed Dan Harmon as the special prosecutor for this grand jury to. To move this case a certain direction, that's why all the evidence was suppressed and mm. the grand jury was halted. It was like, oh, we tried. No, we didn't find anything. That's because you guys were there. Wow. No wonder you can't find the killer because you were there. You you helped put the fucking bodies on the track. Do you see where this is going? I'm surprised that this many years later we're still not having enough answers. But I guess we'll get into that well, next week. Dan Harmon was is a huge wife, a huge girlfriend beater, domestic abuse. He actually ended up in prison for other drug related charges, but not on this murder. Hmm. And Linda Ives, they call it her lonely crusade because she is still pushing. If you go to her Facebook, she's still pushing this Good for her, you know, letters to Donald Trump saying, hey, let's bring this out when Hillary, huh. you know, because the Clinton train. Is all of them together? Do you not think? All right, when he was a governor of Arkansas, okay, he was right hand man with these guys. Do you know, you know what I'm saying? Like he was, they were all in cahoots together. That is why he gave Fami Malik a raise so he wouldn't undermine himself. He would actually use his power. Does that make sense? Mm. Like this, this goes even further than the governor Bill Clinton at the time. It goes, it continues to go up, up the chain. And we'll see how far we can go before I'm like, fuck this. I ain't going any further. Wow. (laughs) But there's been so much evidence that has been completely lost. There has been 
countless FBI doc, the FBI came in, they'd done a huge thing, but literally 99% of their documents are completely redacted out. You can't hardly read anything. It's just a huge shit show. On episode two, we'll talk about the witnesses that if you knew anything about it, you're probably dead now. We're going to talk about a brand new witness that came forward recently oh. that oh. said he was on the track. He was also a a world uh, World Wrestling Federation guy. He was a wrestler, an all-time pro wrestler. Says he was there. He was the, quote, muscle. Hmm. And he was there at the time. And he came out recently. I'm talking about last year. Huh. And his video is getting no hits because you know why? No one knows about this case. Yeah, I've never heard about it. This case didn't even come up when Hillary was running. I'm surprised. Isn't that weird? Well, I'm surprised the other side didn't exploit that. Because probably so many people are dying just talking about it. It's like shit. Well, I hope we don't die. We'll find out if we have a next episode if we're still alive. Yeah. If you guys like this story and want me to do a story for you, to research a story and dedicate it to you, go to talkmurder.com slash join, become a Talkos Primo, get a badass t-shirt, get a lot of love, a lot of swag, get shouted out all over the place, and become our newest Talko Supremo member. And that is all I have for tonight's case, so I will see you next time. I fucking loved Thomas the Tank Engine. We all know how much I love PBS. Um, So I used to watch it all the time when I was a little kid. I hated PBS. I know, we know. (laughs) You're a terrible person, but that's okay. What? You hated PBS? Yes, Uh, we already know this. Yeah, I didn't like Sesame Street. I hated Mr. Rogers. The public broadcasting station? We've already talked about that. We've we've talked about this. And and they're responsible for reading Rainbow? Yes. So we've already talked about this. And the more you know? You know, Nicole, you know I love you, Nicole, but like for the fact that you hate PBS, like... I love you like a little bit less. Anyway, so I, like I used to poo. fucking I I like, love yeah. Thomas Tank Engine. I used to collect all the trains. And when I was a little tiny kid, my dad actually, like, when I wouldn't eat, like, the food, like, broccoli or vegetables or whatever it was that he was trying to, like, feed, he would always, like, be like, here comes Thomas. Like, chug it. Like, he would always <laughs> do, like, train noises. It was so funny. Like, I'm a, you know, I, I was a little kid. But, like, I loved Thomas Tank Engine. Tank Engine. And, um, yeah. <laughs> Do we still have those tacos in the fridge? I didn't touch them. Oh, then they're still in the fridge. Mm, what's, like, the expiration date on Taco Bell tacos in the Never. fridge? Never. I still have one in my car that's been there for, like, four Ew. months. <laughs> no, I mean, like, stomach-wise. Like, at what point is it going to... I mean, it's been less than a week. So how long would you keep regular ground beef? I mean, I would keep it for a couple of days, but... Oh, then we need to throw them out. 